0: Hello and welcome to another Mr. Rolling in podcast. My name is usually Jacob Staten and as usual I'm joined by JJ Armstrong. JJ, how are you?
1: I am okay, thank you Jacob. It is now the 12th of February. It felt like Great. January lasted about five years and now it's just the top of February like that. And my research earlier, uh, I looked back on the results and guess what Jacob? Of course haven't won a game this year. What? Shot? What? 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 I, uh, I'm doing okay, personally, despite that slight grievance. How are you?
0: Yeah, yeah I'm okay, mate. Thank you. Probably a little bit worse than you, because I actually went to the match on Saturday. Um, yes. I didn't have to face the icy tundra of of North Leeds or South Brass. Li- cost, cost, li- cost of living
1: crisis, Jacob.
0: Cost of living crisis. <laughs> he lost 21 quid on a match ticket. Bless you. <laughs> 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 Um, so we're going to kick off by talking extremely briefly about Bristol and the Cup. JJ's told me I have about 19 seconds on this, otherwise, he's not a friend ever again. Um, it wasn't on TV, thank Christ. Um, seemed like a, a bog standard, maybe below average performance. We don't change the way we play, no matter who we're playing, so. It's not a surprise. Uh, the only surprise from that game was uh, he did, for the first time, play a different formation from the 4-2-3-1, uh, which saw, was it 3 4 one, 2 something like that? Sorry, he's counting me down. Anyway, we're in the, the next round of the FA Cup to play Man United at home, and that's always special, so there is that to talk about. Now, on to Newcastle United at home on Saturday, the 10th of February, 5.30 kickoff. Um, only so from t- team news. Only three of the eleven from Bristol survive, and that was Musa Niacarte, Morgan Gibbs White, and Antonio Langa. Um, we changed back to the four-two-three-one. JJ, you surprised by the change back?
1: No, no. I think it's. Uh, I think the the change for the Bristol game was out of necessity. I think because we needed to rest a few players, which obviously didn't end up quite happening given extra time. But uh, <laughs> I think given the fast pace games coming at us uh in a in a quick quick few weeks i think it it's important to rescue people so i think that was more born out of necessity than any tactical influence and i'm not surprised at all to see what appears to be his favored tactic thus far in his managerial career at forest return so it made sense to me i didn't foresee that you'd go stick with the back three so uh yeah wasn't surprised whatsoever
0: I think I'm the other side of the coin I I in my head I think of you Nuno know, I think of a back back three um so I thought the Bristol game would be the first of the start of that era type thing so I was a bit surprised we went back to it um I was a bit disappointed for Andrew Oabammedelli who I think's been pretty good if not fantastic since he's got into the team um I had a feeling he might have gone for Musanya left back if he was going back to a back four. Um, because if he's going to play Tavares instead, then what's the point? Um, But yeah. Uh, yeah I, thought, and-
1: I just want to touch on it and just say I think Omar Bamideli has done nothing wrong, so he can feel slightly aggrieved to be dropped um, or rested, depending on how you want to look at it, but I think if you've got the option of Musani Akarte, who I do think is a great player, um, I think I think the only reason I would have kept Omabamadeli is because he hasn't done anything wrong, and he's start. He was starting to build up a great relationship with Murillo. Yep. So we've seen a lot of centre back pairings. I think Niacate Murillo worked well prior to Afcon, so I can see why we've returned to that. However, I think it is harsh on, on Omabamadeli, who did nothing wrong and was starting to strike a good partnership. But uh, I guess when you've got a potential. Uh, Rory DeLapp-esque throw into the box. It's another weapon, really, so you can sort of see why he could be picked.
0: Yeah, and that, that's interesting you raised that point because there, there was a lot of that, particularly in the second half of the, the missile throw-in, which I think we've spoken about before, but I still find absolutely mind-bending that he can do with no run-up, literally no run-up um, and how far he throws it. By the but he did do it that often that there were people around us starting to say, Have we ever scored from one of these? And
1: off the top of my head, I don't think we have. I'm sure we have. I, was there, was it not a game where it caused chaos and they scored from it? I'm I not mean, not like direct connection with it. I'm sure it's been in the box, there's been a bit of a scramble, and and we've scored from that, but I might be wrong. Uh, it's I've certainly seen a few games where that has caused problems for the opposition, yeah. I
0: mean, I'm never anti it. You know, it's getting the ball into the box, isn't it? It's, you know, it's it's a it's a good way of getting the ball where it needs to be, isn't it? So regardless yeah. of the outcome, at least you could drop down and that kind of thing. Um, JJ, I believe you have a word from our sponsors.
1: Thank you, Jacob. Thank you. We're going to talk today about our sponsor football prizes and this brilliant prize, which is a Taiwo Awanyi signed and framed shirt. Beautiful you can enter at www.footballprizes.co.uk. For those listening, you can't see it on screen, so head to that website and check it out because it is a wonderful prize and it ends on Thursday, the 15th of February. But make sure you follow them on social media as they've got plenty of forest competitions to enter. So enter now at footballprizes.co.uk.
0: Back to you, boys. So yeah, on to the game. So game starts, there's lots of possession for Newcastle, Um, I think as anyone would expect, given the way they play and the way we play. I think they actually had a bit of a change in formation. It very much looked to me like they had a back five with Trippier moving from right wing back into centre midfield. You know how um, Man City do with whoever's playing at right back that week. Um, it seemed to really work for them, in my opinion, because, it, it, I don't know, they were extremely solid at the back. Despite conceding two goals, they were extremely solid. Huge, you know, Botman, Shaw, uh, Danburn, all huge, huge like mountainous men, so yeah, it would be very tough, tough game for Tyro, I think. Um, but yeah, lots of possession. We did have a, a lovely counter attack of Anthony Langer getting around the back of Dan Burn because Dan Burn is six foot, I'm gonna guess six, seven, maybe. Uh, and Anthony Langer is lightning quick, so there was a ball down the line, I think it was from Nico Dominguez, and it was sensational. And in my opinion, I think. Uh, Elanga should have scored he hits it straight at Dubravka, who did close him down pretty quickly which I suppose was was good Um, but yeah I think we should have scored there and then all of a sudden
1: JJ they score from a set piece which is words I feel like I've said most weeks now yep. another set piece goal uh, conceded what, what kind of goal was it JJ I mean in terms of what it was a great goal if that's what you want me to say uh, but it was an avoidable goal I wish I've cottoned on to uh, way too late there and tried to style it out. Yes, every week, every week, we say avoidable goals. And I think this is just another example of that. Um, Don't get me wrong. Fantastic routine. And I think if they do that on the training pitch, they'll think this will never come off, lads, will it? Because they'll certainly look behind the shoulders and check that there's not a man hanging about. But uh, it worked perfectly. And it was a great finish, well-worked routine. Think we're still slightly naive in this moment, but another set piece goal conceded and uh, not good. The, whilst I think it
0: probably falls into the category of an avoidable goal and we're a bit naive, I would like to say it was an extremely well-executed goal. Bruno Gimareche, he makes a great run into the box. The trip, the ball in from Trippier was amazing. The finish from Bruno Gimareche, I think, has gone a bit under the radar like an outside of the right foot volley into the back of the far post is it's a a great finish and I kind of I was sat in in uh, Peter Taylor kind of went you know I'd like us to be a bit cleverer there but also
1: that is what they're trying to do isn't it they're trying to catch us out yeah well worked I think sometimes you can just put it down to a good goal would like to, uh, to see us do a bit better but I just think maybe just fair play, yeah, yeah.
0: And then after their goal goes in, we we start to, business starts to pick up a bit for us, doesn't it, JJ? We start to get a, a few more counter attacks in, a bit more of the ball, uh, and then a sensational, exquisite through ball from uh, Morgan Gibbs White, exquisite, uh, and a redeeming finish for Anthony Lango He doesn't take a touch this time; he puts it straight past Martin Debravka. and it's game on. Um, it was very similar to the first chance Lang had, uh, and and nice to see him not let that play on his mind and and get it in the back of the net.
1: The warning signs were certainly there from the first one and they Mm -hmm. just did not wake up to it. And I think everyone before the game targeted Dan Byrne as a problem against Alanga. I'm sure every Newcastle fan, every Forest fan, every football fan would say, following what happened on Boxing Day, following the pace that Alanga has got, playing Dan Byrne against Alanga, that's something that Forest can capitalise on and Obviously, the first chance was missed, but he capitalised on it the second time due to what was the ball, Jacob? Exquisite. Exquisite ball from Gibbs White. And like I say, good composure, great that the first chance didn't get in his head. And that showed where we could really hurt Newcastle. And at that time, I think they were just about saying on the TV that Newcastle had the larger, larger amount of possession, which is to be, you know, That's completely fine. Considering if we can counter them like that, then you'll swallow that possession. Yeah, because in open play, I think we were doing well, and obviously they scored from a set piece, so they weren't doing too much with that possession. So, great finish, great ball, and that is an an exciting goal to to watch live. I assume, Jacob, I'm sure the crowd loved that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was nice with there was kind of like a because he shot from so far out. There's like a nice delay of. Yes, it's in the back of the net type thing. So that was that was really nice. Um, And then, then we give them a uh, a free kick wide on the right, attacking Trent and goal in front of uh, Brian Clough stand.
1: Um, And what happens, JJ? We concede another set piece goal, Jacob, and uh, again avoidable.
0: This one, yeah, this one was is firmly in the category of avoidable, despite the fact it was a a smart
1: finish from Fabian Share. Do you think there's a potential here that it was a silly foul by Ryan Yates that caused this? Or are you in the camp of they still shouldn't score from this regardless? Um,
0: It was I wouldn't say silly. I'd probably say it was a tactical foul gone wrong by Ryan Yates. But if you don't want Ryan Yates to make tactical fouls, which he does extremely well throughout the game in other areas of the pitch, which help us Break up play and calm things down, and win a sells free kicks go further forward, then what is Ryan Yates in the team to do? You have to yeah.
1: take the you have to take the rough with the smooth, mate. There's definitely been a bit of yating, which is Ryan Yates hating, um, which we've been there before, Jacob. But online, I'm seeing a lot of criticism go I, towards Ryan yeah. Yates, and there always has to be a scapegoat for what it's worth. I do think he is a great inclusion in this squad and provides a lot for us. A lot of the the naughty stuff that you sort of need, a bit of bite in the team. And mm. I don't think he had a great game against Bournemouth, but other times he's popped up and had a fantastic game. So certainly still has a place in the squad for me. I'm not too sure why why it's drastically gone against him recently online, but hey-ho, it's where the world, yeah. is it? I think players are better when they're not in the squad and I think Sangare... Is currently one of them.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really... I, I, I didn't really think he did that much wrong against Bournemouth. I certainly don't think he played badly against Newcastle. Um, I think he's probably guilty of doing the things that are hard to put a finger on in terms of saying he does it well. Um, I think we're a much worse team without him. I was disappointed when he didn't start against Arsenal. Uh, I find myself being disappointed when he's taken off because it, to me, he's someone who can who can win a header in the last minute, who can put a, a, a foot in to a tackle at the last minute or put a block or puts his body on the line, that kind of thing. So I think he's the kind of player that can influence a whole game. Um,
1: do you think I, influence a whole game or perhaps from what you said there, bring on when we're trying to secure a lead and do a bit of the battling?
0: No, I, I think I think influence the whole game. I, I think... I, I, just, I just... Yeah, I he's he's one of the, the starters for me. It's it's him and somebody else in midfield, and and you know on that on that point, I think Dominguez was absolutely fantastic in this game.
1: Yeah, I think it's worth shouting out Dominguez at this point because I messaged you saying it feels like there's about ten Dominguezes on the pitch. Mm. He was everywhere. Um, he's his confidence to try and get to the ball or want to receive the ball in any position. Um, he's a fantastic player. We saw it early on. He had a bit of a lull. Then he was played potentially out of position. But uh, I think we saw the best of Dominguez against Newcastle. He's he's a really hungry, um, powerful, combative player. So I thought he was excellent. And I thought he was excellent against Bournemouth as well. And it'll be very interesting to see what happens when Sangari's back. Is it potentially Sangari-Dominguez starting midfield or will Yates retain his place? So there's certainly... um, some some interesting things to come for this midfield. Um, obviously, yeah. we lost Mangala, who was excellent. But I think Yates and Dominguez hasn't quite replicated what I thought Mangala added to the midfield. But it'll be interesting to see what happens once Sangare comes back.
0: Yeah, I I, I think it'll be Sangare and Dominguez. As much, despite what I just said about Yates, Yates, that's my opinion. But I think it'll be Sangare and Dominguez. I think we've got a big second half of the season to come from Sangare. He's coming on the high, isn't he? Ivory Coast have just won the... Africa Cup of Nations.
1: A high coast, if you will. This is just... It just writes itself, Jacob. It's <laughs> <laughs> rubbish. It's <That's> rubbish.
0: <laughs> writes itself, mate. Um, yeah, I, I think he's got... A, I think he's got a, a a big second half of the season to come. Um, Let's hope so.
1: To live up to the potential and the excitement yeah. that he generated, I think. We were starting to see it. Like you say, confidence should be in full swing. So fingers crossed for yep. a, a better second half of the season, as you have just mentioned. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and speaking of second half, well, speaking of coming the first half coming to an end, uh, Callum hudson makes it two all, and what was it was shaping to be a Callum hudson trademark, wasn't it, where he cuts in from the left and has shapes it into the far corner? But it took a wicked deflection, and I can't remember who it came off. JJ, who's going to help me? Miley, possibly. Oh yeah. sorry, it was Lewis Miley. Yes, yeah, sorry, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and it literally just goes in the opposite corner in which he wanted it to um yeah i mean i th- i think we were g- i think we were good value for it um we were very good after their first goal and i think we definitely deserved to be level at half time
1: absolutely deserved to be level at half time um if anything i'd say we had the chances of the game given that both their goals were from uh, set pieces Yep. but yeah i mean take a breath, bloody hell, 2-2 two, two at half time. That's not really how I foresaw the game going. And I think it's worth talking about Hudson-Odoi in general because I think he had a very good game. And I think the Bournemouth goal, whether that was has been sparked some confidence in him, I don't know. But he looked like he was brave enough to take on his man in this game. Um, whereas previously, he would certainly pass back or look a bit hesitant to take his man on. But I think he displayed some great feet and some great skill to beat his man in this game. So potentially we're starting to see a bit of a resurgence of Hudson-Odoi. Potentially we're seeing his confidence start to come in, and that's two goals in two games now, uh, both similar goals. He scored one earlier in the season. I can't remember who it was against, but that was also quite similar to the two he scored in the last two games. So obviously lucky with the deflection, but good work to get there. You, you know, you take the shot, these things can happen. So be brave, take the shot. And uh, it could end up in a goal, be it, it you place it bottom corner, be it the keeper spills it, or be it a deflection. As they say, Jacob, they all count. Well, um,
0: you don't win a ticket if you don't. You don't win the prize if you don't buy a ticket,
1: do you, JJ? Yes. Yeah, speaking of which, footballprizes.co.uk. I on you, sign a custom frame shirt. That wasn't pre-planned, but that's why we're good at what we do, Jacob. Um, <laughs> yeah. Half time. I think it was just one of those where I just. I just didn't know what happened. It was such a roller coaster of emotion. It was frustration, but we're playing quite well. But oh, frustration, but oh, that's that yeah. was my uh, emotions during that. So I thought if anyone was going to go on and win it in the second half, it would be Forrest. and we came out, Jacob. And from where I was sat, which wasn't on the ground at home, um, they looked brilliant. They started really, really positively.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, I think there were two penalty claims waved away uh, before the Newcastle goal, which we'll talk about in a second. There was a, and I must admit, I didn't see this live. I I, I don't know how I didn't see it live, Um, but there was a Anthony Gordon push on Anthony Alanga and Anthony on Anthony crime. Um, What were your thoughts on that, JJ?
1: This is the first I'm hearing about it, so I, clearly I didn't see it either. Oh, okay, um,
0: okay, sorry. It was on the yeah. Okay, all right. Well, we'll um, I'm not. I'm not. If, if anybody a liar. Did if anybody did see that, can you please comment and let us know? Because I was there, and the the replays are, uh, are rubbish. If you sit in Peter Taylor, um, so I didn't see any of that, and I don't even think it. Well, I was in the ground, so I didn't have any knowledge when VAR was in use. Um, and then mm-hmm. the one on one you. now. Before I talk about my opinion on this, I would like to say that I think Tyler One Year completely and utterly balls that up. He, he he should never have got to the point where he was able to be dropped by the keeper. It should have been nestling in the back of the net. Um but yeah, so he goes through, he bundles himself around, and in my opinion, Martin Dubravka drops him. I don't think there's any two ways in which about it. It's a stonewall penalty for me. And it's it's not given, he gives a goal kick. Uh and VAR agree, JJ.
1: Yeah, this is this has been the screensaver of my mind for the last few days because I've I find it on repeat trying to sort of debate the the pros and cons of each area. And I think I've watched it five times and thought that's never a penalty, and watched it five times before Stonewaller. So I can see why it's divided opinion. My end outcome is penalty. Um I agree with you. I think Tyro should have pulled the trigger and a lot sooner. It shouldn't have ever got to that. The whole original debate for me was, will he actually get to the ball or is it running out? And I think the speculation is, I think the ball is going out of play, but Tyro is quite quick. So you never quite know. And if it's up in the air like that, then maybe that means that it is an opportunity for him to get there. So therefore him getting taken out is a denial of a goal scoring opportunity. So therefore, it should be a penalty. Um, I think the thing that swayed it for me is thinking back to Dean Henderson against Brentford and that decision going against us. I think back to the decision that Anthony Taylor himself gave uh, to give Diego Diego Jota a penalty. And I just think let's have some consistency here. I also think um, that if you're a Forest fan, it's a penalty. If you're a Newcastle fan, half of them will say it's not a penalty, half of them say it will be. If the referee gives it, that doesn't get overturned to say it's not a penalty. If the referee doesn't give it, apparently it's not going to get overturned to say it is a penalty. So it's a horrible situation. I think Anthony Taylor had an absolute shocker. Um, yeah, I see, you. I see you waiting to jump in, Jacob, so I'll pass it back to you. But another decision that I want to talk about that Anthony Taylor got frustratingly wrong after this, but I'll let you say your piece.
0: Yeah, cheers, mate. I, 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 for me, I think the fact that the ball might be going out of play before Tyler can get to it is completely, and utterly irrelevant. If the keeper, if any other player on on the pitch, no matter where the ball is, kicks another player over, trips another player up, it's a foul, isn't it? If the ball, if the ball, if the ball's in there, the Forest box, and Newcastle are about. Oh, sorry, if if Forest got the ball in the Newcastle box, we're about to take a shot, but somebody gets legged up. You know, let's say Murillo legs up, uh, whoever's up front for them, Isaac. Was it Isaac? If he legs no, him he's up, he's
1: injured. Wilson,
0: Callum, if he legs it, Callum Wilson up, the referee will blow for a free kick. What's it got to do with where the ball is?
1: I can't <laughs> help. I just hate screaming bias, and I think we're in danger of like every time this happens, which is so frequent now, it's killing football a little bit, but. Every time a decision goes against Forrest, like I hope we don't write another letter to the PGMOL. And it just feels like it's constantly happening. I don't want to scream bias, but just can't help but feeling if that person played for a man United or if it was an Erling Haaland, for example, that penalty is given, I think. Um I just can't help but feel for whatever reason, there's some degree of bias because if that penalty can be given by the same referee with less contact for Yota. Why don't we get it? Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, on the letter writing thing, I think thankfully we didn't set the precedence for that. It was Liverpool and Arsenal, wasn't it? Set the precedence for that. I would like to say that I don't, I don't actually mind us doing that because what other way have we got to say we're not happy with the refereeing standards? They don't, they don't do anything to them, do they? They don't. They have what they have a week off, and then they get to come back and do whatever they want again. Everybody, everybody's known for a long time that Anthony Taylor is a complete and utter narcissist. Like he, he, he's only bothered about it being about, there was a, literally a chant of going around the stadium where like, it's all about you, it's all about you, Anthony Taylor, it's all about you. Like everybody knows he's only bothered about being the center of attention. You know what I mean? It's 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 very it's very hard when these decisions happen because uh, as well as sorry because VAR is meant to rule this kind of thing out and you know you, you touched on it of going the referee give that it's not going to get overturned the referee doesn't give it so VAR don't feel like they can get in his way because it's not a clear and obvious error yeah
1: they're protecting their mates aren't they that's what yeah, it is
0: yeah and you know a referee and I think we're we're currently in this kind of catch 22 of Referees are not giving decisions because they because they're used to VAR, but you know, picking up their their poop, shall we say, scooping up their poop, and then VAR are kind of going, oh, sh- sugar, we've got a bit of heat on us right now. Let's let's you know, let's not rock the boat so much and give controversial decisions. And it's just all it's happening is is you know everybody's pointing at each other to say you haven't done something, and the only one that's losing out is the club and the fans, isn't it?
1: And with such fine margins in terms of points, you know, we've got potential points deduction looming over, looking a bit tight at the bottom, who knows what's going to happen. If a point is, you know, if it's just a point that keeps us up or sends us down, either side of that argument can feel aggrieved because there will be VAR decisions that could have and should have gone our way that potentially influence and change the results and amount of points gained. So, it is changing the game in a way that feels unfair, I think. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I think he got a lot wrong for both sides. There was a Trippier handball um, that was just outside the box, but Trippier handballed it. It was a Newcastle goal kick. And to yeah. balance it up, <laughs> there was a clear foul by Origi and nothing was given. And it just felt like he, the referees didn't know what a foul was. Yeah, um, yeah. On the letter right into the PGMOL. Um, they've not received any. Apparently Nuno Tavares was in charge of putting it in his local post box, but put it in the nearest bin instead because he got it so far wide. So thankfully I'll figure his dog at it. Or he's dog at it. That's a better one. Bloody hell.
0: <laughs> oh, I was waiting for that. I was-
1: Damn it, that's a better one than what I was going for. <laughs> let's let's this is un- unplanned, so this could go anywhere. Try and keep sort of the dog into a minimum. But what are your what were your thoughts on Nuno Tavares? Because I've seen some people say, what a great performance. One of the best players. Uh he retained his spot in the squad for me. And I've seen some people say he is absolutely tragic. What are your thoughts?
0: Um
1: I thought it was probably his best game for Forest. That's
0: not to say that I don't want him on the bench next week, though, if that makes sense. I it was his best game for Forest, but that's you know that's a very low standard of rating you know that kind of thing it's i, I you know he, he had that chance where he, he should have scored or at least put it on target but then again he is a left back right there's a reason he's not playing up front um he puts a he puts a decent ball in his defending wasn't too bad this game um but yeah i just think if if Nier-Karte's fit and i think you probably you you touched on it earlier again about omobamidele probably needing a rest because he has played a lot of football since that first Blackpool game, I think he's probably played every minute of every game, hasn't he? So, if if they're or they're all fit, I think I'd probably have Nkate at left back and and get Abubamwale back in. But yeah, he did, by by no means
1: was he was he bad against Newcastle. I just um, he's still okay. just not the left back for me. I thought some of the runs he did were ex- exceptional. I thought mm-hmm. they were the vision to make those runs were brilliant and gifted as another option. His end product is shocking. And you say there he puts a good ball in, decent decent ball, decent ball. It's it's the shots for me. The he did it in the cup. You know, I think he did it against Bournemouth. He did it again in this game where he just can't help himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just can't help himself. And I said to Jacob afterwards, if he tried to shoot in his arm, he'd put it in his toe. He's just, he's just. So far, wider the mark, you think we're better suited to create chances by not doing that. And I know I said earlier, Callum hudson doy, you have a go, it could result in a goal. Whether you place it, yeah. spills off the keeper or takes a deflection. But from what I've seen of him, I just think, let's let's stop trying. Because it's wasted momentum, unfortunately. And there's far better decisions. And I think his decision-making could be improved. I don't think he's a left-back for us. I think Ola Aina slots straight back in. Um, good shout, good shout. Got a lot of abuse online. I don't know what he did in the final. I didn't watch it, but there's um, certain people putting curses on him. We've already got enough problems, so bloody undo that, please. I know he, I know he um, missed
0: a penalty in the semi-final, didn't he? But they still won, so...
1: Right, well, I don't know what happened in the final, um, but I just I saw a lot of Forest fans say, we've already got enough problems. Stop cursing us. Um, but I think it sounds like he had a good tournament um, from the little I've sort of watched of it. So I would put him straight back in. I thought he was already our sort of best choice um left back. So interested to see him back in the fold and interested to see if he gets a start straight away or whether Nuno perseveres with Nuno. I think that I think there certainly has to
0: be something said for the Portuguese connection. Maybe Nuno feels that he, you know, having somebody out there who can speak first language with, he sits next to Marillo, who's obviously Brazilian, speaks Portuguese. That kind of thing maybe helps the partnership, and like I say, it was, his, in my opinion, it was his best game for Forest. So if he, you know, if he carries on that trajectory, fine, why not? But I, I think
1: Ionia goes straight back in, doesn't he? Hopefully, for the health and safety of Forest fans, it's a better trajectory than his shots. Um, <laughs> anyway, from there, Jacob, what
0: happens? There was one thing we did miss, and only briefly because I, I haven't seen the replay, but I presume it was very offside. Tywo did have a disallowed goal. It was an yeah. extremely smart Great finish. Great finish. Extremely smart finish. Um, but I think even to the naked eye as he went through, it did look offside to me. JJ, was it?
1: Didn't celebrate because yeah, I just yeah. knew it was getting flagged. But a fantastic finish. Uh, yeah. Really well placed. More of that, please. And I thought, you know, at that point, Tyra was becoming a threat. We'll talk about it after what happened and became their winner. But Tyro got taken off and I thought at this point, of the game, he was starting to... Obviously, he had the penalty decision. He had the offside. I thought so, things are starting to happen here. He's got a goal in him, this lad. But uh, anyway, talk about uh, their winner, and then we'll go on to discuss the fact he was replaced.
0: Yeah, so they they scored their winner. It was about the 66th minute, I think. Um, it was a clever move and and a, and a lovely finish from from uh, Bruno Muresh. Uh, I don't think there's much that Celts could have done about the, the shot. It's 1-on-1s on the edge of the D where the goal is at its biggest for a goalkeeper. I seem to remember Jordan Smith conceded a lot from that range because he was quite short. But yeah, I don't think there's much Matt Seltz could have done about the goal. Um, For me, there was a clear foul on Nico Dominguez in the build-up. He gets bundled over, stops him from chasing, from from closing down the one or the two before he takes the shot. Um, But, you know... It's not given. I don't know if it was checked or anything, JJ, because nothing comes up on up in the stadium. But it was it was a it was certainly one for me that had they looked at it and not given it, I wouldn't have been surprised. But I'm surprised it wasn't looked at at all.
1: If if you're going to tell me it wasn't looked at at all, completely glossed over, um, wasn't even referred to in the in the replay from what I remember. But this is where I think there should be a bit of consistency someone with a better memory than me will be able to tell me if I'm right or wrong here, but I seem to recall a goal being disallowed last season where Mangala got speared by, I believe it was Antonio. I might be wrong, but that brings he, a bell. he blocked his path um, mm-hmm. and VAR intervened. Wasn't a goal. Was it West Ham at home? Our first win? I think win? so. It, I think so, but... It's got I to be. I can't remember. He, someone with a better memory can sort of tell us. But I seem to remember it involved Antonio blocking Mangala, and it wasn't given. When yeah, when they that, scored that, 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 reason, that, at home. Yeah, yeah. When I when they scored that, I wasn't too disheartened because I thought, well, that's not going to be given because he's just speared his man. And uh, the, the who was it that got fired? you say it was Dominguez? I thought, I, I thought it was Dominguez. Yeah. Well, whoever it was, I thought was on track to close them down and put a bit of pressure on the on Bruno Gimaraj, and I just thought, yeah, that that would be checked, and I'm sure they seem to try and find anything to overturn a the goal these days. So therefore, this won't count. But glossed over, didn't seem to be checked. If it did, I can't recall seeing a VAR replay of it. And yeah, that's it, three two, and I, once again down three two. Yeah, I think on on that point if anybody wants
0: to put a comment on and let us know if we were daydreaming that happening or not, if you, if you also thought it'd be a foul or if you saw it and thought it wouldn't, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear other people's opinions on that. Cause for me watching that in the stadium, I kind of went, oh,
1: what what game are we playing here? Because yeah. It's not American football where you can just tackle people off the ball. Is it? It felt clear to me, but clearly I don't know the rules. So who knows. <laughs> interested to hear. yeah. Like I say, interested to hear other people's opinions whether they thought it was a file or whether they thought we were possibly overthinking it from a forest lens. Yep.
0: Um, and then straight wall, not straight after, but within kind of eight minutes or so, we make all three of our changes, a bit of an odd one. So we made, we only made three substitutions, We made three single substitutions, so we couldn't use all five. Um, so Rayner came off first for Ryan Yates. Uh, then Danilo came on for Nico Dominguez. And then Divock Origi came on for Taiwa Wunyi. Of all of them, I think I was most surprised by Origi for Awunyi. Obviously, Nico Dominguez runs himself into the ground. And obviously, it was nice to see Claudio, not Claudia Radio, Son Giovanni Reina came on. And that meant that Mournge's white dropped deep and then played there with Danilo. Because obviously I was speculating a while back if Nino um, you know, would try and find a way of wedging them in and that, that appears to be the way, doesn't it?
1: Apparently, um, wasn't too impressed by any of it. I think Origi was useless to me. I just think he offered absolutely nothing and it's frustrating that Chris Ward is currently injured and out for a few weeks because it felt like between him and Taiwo, we had some attacking intent and another option off the bench. As now I think we're largely lacking that. And I think I'm um, I was surprised to see him remain with Forrest. I thought it was a good chance for us to say this didn't work out. See you later in the January window, but for some reason not. And I'm guessing maybe it's because we couldn't get anyone in. Um and potentially with the Chris Wood injury. But I, I th- just think it's it's not great. I know he scored in the cup uh against Bristol, but not for me. I thought he he did not impose himself at all and neither did Rayner I think he looked smart but at this point at this time in the game I felt that Tyro was a threat like I say he had the offside he had the penalty I thought keep this guy on for another 10-15 minutes he will have an opportunity to score and probably take it Morgan Gibbs-White was exceptional and I think retaining him in his place where he does his best work at the 10 would have been the sensible thing to do now, we've got to be careful because if Tyro gets injured again, it scuppers everything because I've just said how Origi's didn't impose himself and isn't the answer. Well, if Tyro stays on for 10 minutes and gets injured because he's just coming back from injury and we've got to stick with Origi for the rest of the season, then we're in trouble. So I get why it, was, it had to be done, but I just felt like maybe we were hamstrung a little bit by that. I think... Um, sorry chris wood um but i think yeah it, it hindered us it felt like the momentum sort of got cut off a little bit and we weren't quite playing the same way that we were prior to that yeah yeah
0: i mean i'm wondering maybe about a not going back i'm wondering if there's maybe not a break clause outside so they needed to be business at ac milan for him that maybe what i uh, yeah maybe meditate on that and think about it and yeah. Um but yeah, it's a shame Chris Wood's out. Um, he was absolutely flying when he when he was he was playing. So
1: yeah, we finally got to a point where it looked like we'd had we've seen the best of Chris Wood and Towers back. The, the future's bright. Can we see them both together? If not, don't matter because one could come off the bench, do a good job. We which one starts? Don't matter anymore. They're both capable. That's what it felt like we were getting to with then. Yep. As is the Forest Way, you know birthday's ruined cakes on the floor and everyone's crying so <laughs> it, yeah. it just oh it's just classic for us,
0: isn't it so i I, it. I think we will see them both i think we will see them i think we'll we'll, we'll find some kind
1: of 352 or something like that yeah good to see him in the stands as well uh disprove the speculation that he's in rehab for doing balloons so uh glad to see him in there
0: oh dear me <laughs> um so i mean for me this is this has happened a couple of times now there was a worrying lack of push in the last 10 minutes we didn't really create anything at all um but i think overall it was a a positive performance but another 3-2 game in the premier league lost this is our sixth this season and we've lost all six jj is going to tell me there was three last season as well jj and we
1: lost all three of them as well bournemouth fulham and liverpool and the bournemouth and fulham ones we were both Two up them, ahead, there, I believe, and yeah. know back to back. There might be more. I've seen some people online say eleven, um, unconfirmed, I think probably including the Blackpool game in the cup, aren't they? But we won that, I guess. So. Oh,
0: sorry, you said okay, okay, okay. And it yeah, wasn't. I, in I think.
1: I think in the Premier League, there's been nine three twos, and we've been on the losing side of every single one of them.
0: I. Uh, the... It's not necessarily the, the kind of worrying trend of losing three two for me that. The thing for me is, if you score two goals at home nine times,
1: you you have to win like seven of those, right? Yeah, to 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 lose nine three twos, there might be a, a three two that I forget that we did win, but I can't recall it. So someone in the comments, I'm sure, will shout at me if we have. But to score twice nine times and not come away with anything is crazy. Not even so much as a point. I. Just, I don't know what it is. Is it a mentality thing, do you think, Jacob? Is it just bad luck? What what is it?
0: I I think it's probably not quite the the thing, uh, something that should worry us. I think there has been extenuating circumstances. You know, we also aren't that good. We only got promoted last season. We only survived in the 2nd last game of last season. Um... Yeah, it's just, if if you're scoring two goals at home, you have to be able to grind them out. And I think that's, that's probably what lost Steve Cooper's job in the end. And that's probably the, been Nuno's downfall so far.
1: Yeah, I think the same fragilities are still there from, from Cooper's reign. And I don't think it's particularly Cooper or Nuno's fault. I think the players have a tendency to just completely switch off, which has cost us. So... I think it is unfortunate and frustrating to have this happen so many times at yeah. a point where we're desperate we're desperate for points now. Obviously there's looming um points deduction. Other teams around us are starting to pick up points. Uh, obviously Luton didn't win at the weekend, but Brentford did and Luton have had a good run. So it's getting worrying. We need to certainly pick up points quick. And I think the frustrating thing is at the end of this. We played well and we deserve something. So to come away from it with nothing is very frustrating because you can see the positives. You can't be completely disheartened at the performance because I think we did well. You know, we scored a great goal from Alanga. We had some good counter attacking, uh, near misses, so to speak. I think Gibbs White had a chance in the first half as well that he probably yes. should have. Yes, he scored. did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: We created the chances in the game. So I felt like we should have we should have uh, got something and i thought we were the better team in open play but two gifts from set pieces and bobs your uncle
0: yeah, yeah i think it's interesting raise really, that that morgan gives white miss actually that was a, a actually a really good piece of play by nuno Tavares, wasn't it down the wing he got yeah. it back but yeah it's i think some, something's got to change the the positive thing for me is is that it was a positive performance we played well we ran them you know Newcastle are a good team. They've, they, you know, they had a fantastic season last season. They've been in the Champions League this season, which I think is probably a step too far for them. Um, but we we did create chances. We did score goals. It, we just need to cut some of this. I don't want to say our lack of a better term nonsense out, which I I had thought Nuno
1: would have done. Um, and it's still I, the same players. That's the unfortunate yeah, thing. Yeah, it's still the same. And I think players. he's been. I think he's been unlucky with injuries. I think he's been unlucky with AFCON. And I've seen a lot of people say online, what is the difference from Steve Cooper? And uh, I think it's the other side of the pitch. I think it's our attacking intent and to go to a game and try and win it. I'd like to win that game 1-0, not 4-3. But, you know, we're going for teams. We're trying. And I think our, our we look more to have more intent when we go forward. But... The fragility at the back, you know, we had the same keeper up until Matt Sells, which, by the way, I didn't say this during uh, the the uh, the penalty decision, but fantastic ball from Sells to put Tyro in. Uh, you yeah. never see that from Matt Turner. But obviously we had the issues with Turner, the defenders being disrupted due to AFCON. So it's not a Steve Cooper thing and it's not a Nuno thing. I think it's just the way the players are wired at the minute. Yeah, no, I think but it's there's great- good But there's some good quality in the squad. So I just, I still can't quite see it. I think individually, you know, there's some great quality. It just feels like we just switch off and, and you switch off or you make mistakes in this league and you punish for them. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you're going to ask me
1: a question now, aren't you, JJ? I am, Jacob. Uh, interested to hear your answer because a few weeks ago you said, I said to you, are Forrest staying up this season? And you said, oh, 100% with the confidence of a man taking his dog to the park where Nuno Tavarez isn't there. So, Jacob, I pose to you this question once again. Forrest, are they staying up this season? Give me a percentage. I'm a, I'm going to say 100%, but I'm going to put a little
0: asterisk on that. And my belief in that is purely because Luton lost to Sheffield United. I think that may have just burst their bubble and I think there'll be Three teams worse than us. It's starting to look like we're going to have to rely on other teams' bad form now. If we can't get two or three wins soon, um, but I still think I still think we're we're good enough to to avoid the drop. I personally don't think we'll get a points deduction. I think we'll get a. I think we'll have enough of a enough of an argument to kind of get like a suspended suspended points deduction or something like that. Um, you know, we only breached for two months. I know they are the rules, but when you breach for two months, we're not in breach now. I think that's what our argument will be. So I think overall, we'll we'll be we'll be safe, but there is an asterisk against it now rather than a one hundred percent glasses brimming full.
1: That does not sound one hundred percent to me, but uh, fair enough. If you want to put that number on it, I think the concerning thing for me that you state there is we are starting to rely on other teams' performances and results. So therefore, our fate is not in our own hands, which is a worrying time considering our fate is also potentially in the hands of lawyers because you can speculate whether we'll get a point seduction or you want. We don't know yet. It's still looming over us. I'm at a point now where I think if we don't get a point of seduction, I think we stay up. If we do get a point of deduction seduction and it's three points, we might just scrape it. If we get anything over three, I think we're in severe trouble. So... It's. I think it's a very concerning, and worrying time to be a Forest fan. Personally, I have not enjoyed this season at all in comparison to last season, and I think we're going through second season syndrome uh, as a club and as a fan base. But I don't think it's been helped by the. Uh, we can sing all we want about Forest being magic on and off the pitch, but it feels like we're neither at times. So it's it's concerning, very concerning. And I think the last few results where I think you know what, we could have got something from this and ended up getting nothing, and are now relying on teams like Luton to drop points it is a massive concern. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, I get it. I think my 100% is based on the fact that I think we will stay up, so it's a 100% opinion, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, well, I hope it, you're right. I do hope you're right. I hope I'm right. <laughs> I agree, though. I think I, I had hoped because of all the sign-ins and all the everything that went on last season that That was kind of our second season syndrome. We we jumped straight to it because of the difficulties we faced. Um, It would appear that I was completely and utterly wrong. Uh, We're in this position. But again, I don't think any of the loss or any of the games under Nuno have been... I don't think I've watched them and gone, I think they've all been all right at very worst. So I that that's I think that's what that's where my confidence comes from. We've scored in I want to say pretty much every game under Nuno, you well, know, if you, uh,
1: every Premier League game. I think I think obviously Blackpool was nil nil. Yeah, uh, no, it wasn't, was it? I can't remember. There was definitely nil nil in there or oh, Bristol. There you go. Yeah, uh, I, no, I, I went to I, it. I think <laughs> uh, I think the main thing about Nuno, which I quite like, is that it, it never feels like you're out of a game. I think no matter who we play, there is a potential to pick up points. And I think we've got a scalp or two in over the course of the next few games or next yep. few months. We've got a bit of a difficult block of games coming up. Um, we're just about to talk about West Ham, which is going to be an interesting one, given the narrative of what's just happened to them. But uh, yeah, Nuno makes us almost feel like he can go anywhere and have a chance. Yep. So, you know, let's hope for more Newcastle and Man Uniteds. Oh, uh, of December's performance, uh, and hopefully, we can pick up a few points. But speaking of which, Jacob West Ham, game. what just happened to them? They got an absolute trouncing,
0: didn't they, by Arsenal? Um, was it six nil in the end? Six nil, six nil. Declan Rice scoring wonder goals to rub the salt on the wound. Half the fans were cheering him, half the fans were giving him V for victory signs and stuff, weren't they? Um, apparently, all their fans are getting tits off with uh, David Moyes. Um, I can't help but feel that if we did beat them, that would probably be the end of David Moyes. Um, one of, one of the West Ham owners has, has died, hasn't he? So the, I know that that's not particularly recently, but I think like the other one is maybe getting a bit jarred off with him. So it's it's you know he's starting to lose his kind of his footing. Um, I think half the West Ham base is is split on
1: him anyway. Um, they don't play the West Ham way. Um, I, this is what I, we're not a West Ham podcast. I don't know too much about them, but I can't help but feel they're a little bit like Man United with the when they lose, it's the green and yellow scarves out and it's glazes out. When they win, it's we're the best team in the world. And I'm not saying West Ham are quite that degree, but it feels like every few weeks there's a narrative of get more out now is poison to this club to hey, well, we've just won a European Cup, we're the best, Moyes in. And it feels like it's it's very on and off and back and forth. Uh, I think Moise has done some great stuff with West Ham, whether it's his time to wrap it up now, I'm not too sure. It sounds like the fan base has apparently turned largely toxic uh, and a 6-0 drubbing will do that. But I still think West Ham have a lot about them and I don't think just because they got beat 6-0 we should go into this game full of confidence particularly given our set piece woes at the minute we're about to come up against one of the best in the game in James Ward Prowse so they're a bizarre club for me they're capable of both sides of the spectrum uh who I don't know who we're going to get this weekend um I certainly hope it's the one that lost 6-0 but yeah West Ham are a bizarre club so how how do you foresee this going do you think it's a great time to play them because the confidence is shot and it's turning toxic and this could be Moises' last hurrah or are you seeing it as a, oh, bugger, they've just lost 6-0, they've got a point to prove, we're in trouble?
0: I, I can pay, so I, I think this is a great time to play them. Um, I'm starting to wonder if Moises has actually lost the dressing room, which will be the, the kicker. The, which will, I think if he's lost the dressing room, we will win that game comfortably. Um, so I, I suppose that remains to be seen. But I, I think that, I mean, their form anyway is pretty patchy um they're not having the best season jj i'm, gonna, I'm not going to guess where they are the, in the league i'm gonna double check well researched jacob well researched well researched yeah uh they are oh they're eighth why
1: do they it's want like, him out am i missing something hang on you're wrong here they're not eight they are eight they're eighth <laughs> what what else do west Ham want well, they've in the last five games, they've drawn three, lost two. Uh, I didn't know they were eighth, they're on 36 points, which you think, same as Newcastle, they're, safe. they're pretty safe, I think. So, they're not really in danger of going down. Um, they're actually only 10 points away from fifth, which is a European spot. So, I actually thought that West Ham were largely close to us, I thought they were. Yeah. two or three points above us. I don't know when or where that happened, oh, but um, there you go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, sorry, change my tune. I don't know what West Ham fans are bleating on about. Boys is doing a great job. Uh, your goal difference is minus six, so it's just those six goals against Arsenal. Were you ever meant to be Arsenal title challengers? Probably not. Six-nil doesn't look great, but, you know, a loss is a loss, isn't it? Um, I... Th- I think we'll win um, I think I, I hope clearly obviously I hope not a loss I'll take a point I think in this game because I think it's key, I think a key point is to keep ticking ticking the points over especially after the Bournemouth game but yeah I think Forest will win this 2-0 JJ I
1: hope you're right I think it's one of those where it's if you don't win don't lose um, we really need three points but don't yeah. lose come on yeah I don't want to walk out of this thinking great performance, no points, because yeah. that's starting to become quite frustrating. So let's yeah. make it a great performance, three points. Um, We really have to work on set pieces and training this week. I don't know if we ever have before. It doesn't look like it, but this week is imperative that we do because Ward Price's deliveries, they will target that all day. The same way we looked at Alanga versus Dan Burnham thought we can get at them there. They'll be looking at James Ward Price and said, Here's a DVD, watch that, put a few in. Happy days. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. Uh, I think, given the fact that Forest have conceded a lot of goals recently, West Ham have just conceded six, it's got nil nil written all over it, possibly. But I think my prediction, if I had to give one, would be two nil to Forest, hopefully. Oh, Both said the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you're
0: right about defending set pieces this week in training because James Walprass corner or free kick into the box is deadlier than Kung Fu in it. So, yes. Yes. don't know what that means. (laughs) Well, if you're listening for the first time, thank you very much for finding us. We really appreciate it. And if you've come back again and 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 again, God knows we love you. You it!